You're listening to the Bible Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Perguson, along with professors Jerry Hollinger and Rick Kleiner. The Bible Guys is a podcast focused on knowing God better through what he has written. You can find out more by following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Bible Guys Pod. You can also connect with us via email at BibleGuysPodcast at gmail.com. Well, welcome, guys. We're back here another week. Uh, excited to, to talk about the Bible. I think this week what we have uh, for this podcast, we're going to be talking about the book of Proverbs, one of the most beloved books of God's Word, um, I would say, is Proverbs. A lot of people love that book. Um, and a lot of people, you know, sometimes misunderstand or misapply it. And so we just felt like that would be a great sort of place to start is just sort of giving an overview a bit of the book and um, discussing it a little bit. Yeah, Devin, you're right. Uh, Proverbs is one of those books that, I mean, it kind of lends itself to devotion. I'm going to use that term. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, you've, you've heard it, you've got 31 chapters. So you take a proverb, chapter of Proverbs a day. Um, I know, you know, godly men who've done that, uh, but you've also got uh, Proverbs is one of those. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to say that when we choose life verses, you know, those that look good <laughs> at a at a homecoming or or whatever, um, the majority of them come out of the Book of Proverbs. Well, as you know, I hate uh, life verses. Uh, I've never had one, and one of the main reasons I don't like them is it's just people jerking passages out of context and Proverbs is a case in point, like you just said, where people do that. So we do need to know how do we interpret books like Proverbs. And um, I know Rick has done a lot of work on the book, so he's kind of our expert on this oh, today. Don't set me up for that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, But I do enjoy the a book. And I, and I think one of the things we have to remember at the outset and at this moment, at, when the, at, the, at the timing of this rec- recording, um, I'm actually currently teaching through the book of Proverbs at our church through um, video lessons, you know, due to the stay-at-home order still. Um, and what I'm trying to remind my the congregation every week is that these Proverbs are, are meant to be general statements, um, not meant to be promises. Um, so I, I've... I'll, I've commonly used the idea that Proverbs is the way life should work in a perfect world. Um, so, for example, we, we, we use the phrase like, well, you see it in the book of Proverbs all the time, the, the righteous won't go hungry uh, or that the way of the righteous will stand firm. They'll always have what they need. But it's not always the case in real life. I know of Christians who are struggling. I know of Christians who in other countries who are fearing their own lives or for their own lives. And so if we're not careful, we can create a theology because these men and women are struggling that, well, maybe they're out of God's will in some way, but that's not the case because it just, your, your idea from that, or the reason why you develop that has come from your misunderstanding of what Proverbs is supposed to be. Yeah. And I think what it's supposed to be, Uh, we need to understand the type of literature it is. Mm. And the type of literature in Proverbs is not, as you said, these absolute promises, but rather these are just authors. They're watching how life 
works. And generally speaking, if you work hard, you'll have enough. If you um, uh, are wise, you won't marry a woman who nags you. Because if you do, you know, that, that usually doesn't work out very well. So it's just this common sense approach to life. They're watching how the world works. And generally speaking, this is really good advice. And something else I would point out is that in theology, we often talk, to, talk about different ways in which God reveals himself. And a lot of times we talk about the Bible. You know, there we have God's special revelation. But sometimes we forget that God reveals himself in general revelation. That is in the created order. And even though we live in a fallen world, there is still a fabric to the universe. There is still a cause and effect in the universe. And you can observe how that works. And I think that's what the proverbists are doing. They're, they're looking at the world and saying, hey, you know, generally this is the way to carry your life about, and these are going to be the results. But as you point out, these are not unconditional promises, and that's where people get tripped up. That brings me to a, to a question that, that I've always had. You know, uh, growing up in a Christian home, I've always heard, you know, Proverbs is about wisdom. Proverbs is about wisdom. And when they ask us to define what wisdom is, they say wisdom is, is different from knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge applied. Is that sort of the idea that wisdom carries throughout the Proverbs? Well, the, the Hebrew word there for wisdom it's usually translated as best translated um, as the word skill. Um, and so even Warren Wiersbe's commentary or his book on, on Proverbs, he entitles it be skillful. And so the, the, the writers of Proverbs, um, they would basically, let's use Solomon. Solomon's sharing with his sons that a man who acquires wisdom is skilled at living according to the law. Uh, you see a parallel in that in the book of Proverbs. Um, so I, I hear that wisdom is knowledge applied, but it's, it's more about a skill that one has in understanding God's law and, and then how he or she can live out God's law in community. Yeah, and I think it's helpful to even look at the term even more broadly. Uh, the Hebrew term hokmah, if you look at, all of the various uses, it's not only somebody who is skillful, but also successful, which is pretty much saying the same thing. But you'll have the term wisdom used in secular trades, like leather work, artwork, uh, business. And somebody who is successful in those areas is says, said to be wise. They're, uh, they're skillful, they're wise, they're successful. And the reason they are is that they're following those dictates that God has put into the created order. So, um, you know, that, that wisdom, uh, you know, is the practical application of knowledge. I mean, that's good so far as it goes, but I really don't think that it gets to the breadth of the Hebrew concept. And I think people need to be aware of um, nice-sounding ditty-type definitions. Uh, they're usually wrong, and they're usually not in taking in the, the amount of material we're dealing with. So yes. I love the translation, skillful, uh, successful, secular, spiritual, however you want to put it. 
Another comment I want to make about the book of Proverbs is what I, what I really think is cool about it is that Solomon personifies various, the traits, um, and he personifies, again, personification is, is giving them qualities of people. And regularly in the book of Proverbs, he personifies wisdom as this woman who's hard to win. But foolishness is, a, is an easy woman to win, and he compares the two. And he's, he describes wisdom as the woman to pursue. Her heart is hard to win. Um, and you see that all the way through. I think that's really neat that he's telling his boys, guys, when, when you're looking, it's, it's kind of like he describes searching for wisdom as looking for the right woman to spend your life with. You, you want to spend your life with a woman who has virtue. And she's hard, that kind of woman is hard to win. She's, she's not easily pursued. It's hard to find before you win her. Right. Um, Do they even exist anymore, I suppose? Right. And so, um, and that carries over to another concept. Maybe we can have another time, but uh, that my personal view is Proverbs 31 isn't actually referring to an actual woman, but it's referring back to wisdom again. Um, and, you know, that has, my wife loves it when I teach that because that gets her um, off the, the guilt trip that she's been given a lot in growing up in Christian circles, where if you're not getting up at the crack of dawn to make fleece, then you're not the right woman. Um, and so how anyway, would one make fleece? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm sure a listener will email us and tell us that that was flawed thinking, but the, but that's, that kind of carries the whole idea in the, uh, of the book of Proverbs there. Yeah. And, uh, so as you continue to think about this idea that that wisdom is success, it's skill, and the Proverbs are giving general principles for living, not legal guarantees, not only does it let your wife off the hook, but you know, it lets a lot of other people off the hook as well. And I think of Christian parents who, and this is probably the most famous example from Proverbs, it's 22.6, am I correct, where if you train up a child in the way he should go, he will not depart from it. Well, a lot of Christian parents have done the best they know how, and their their kids are absolute wrecks. And so they either begin to feel guilt that, oh, I didn't do what I should have done, or they're mad at God because they say, well, you didn't keep your promise in Proverbs. And so that's why we need to understand that these are general principles. These aren't legal guarantees. And um, yeah, it's wise to raise your children in a um, biblical, godly way. But hey, you know, at some point they have to make their own decisions. And I often say, and this may be a bit harsh, but if my children end up in, you know, state prison someday for the rest of their life, I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Uh, you know, I wasn't a perfect parent, but, you know, I did the best, best I could as a Christian dad. So, you know, that, that's their choice. It's, it's not God's fault. It's not my fault. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's best to follow the advice of, rain, of training your children in a godly way. I mean, the odds are going to be with you then, so to speak. I remember uh, whenever I was student teaching at Salem with Rick, uh, we were in an Old Testament class that Rick was teaching, and he was teaching through Proverbs, and right after Proverbs is Ecclesiastes. 
written by the same, uh, you know, uh, written by Solomon and, um, which a lot of the Proverbs were as well. And I'll never forget that, that he was, he was talking about a Proverbs 22, six, where he said, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's what Proverbs tells us. But Ecclesiastes tells us, well, what if my son's an idiot? Right. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like the other side of that coin. Um, you have to have that balance. And let's face it, there are a lot of Christian idiots running around. <laughs> so what happened to Proverbs, Rick? And let me point out that I wasn't talking about my sons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my sons are awesome. Um, but, but at the this person, point in life, but they might point, be great. Yeah. totally messed up later. Yeah. And Jerry, you and, it's kind of funny. You made that statement. Joe and I have made a, a promise that if any of our kids ever get, if they're ever in prison, like if they ever get arrested, they have to spend the night in jail, that me and Jill are too busy for the next 24 hours, <laughs> no matter what it is. But, Go out and have dinner. Right. But, but the point is, is this, um, like that statement you just made, I, I probably stole that from somebody else. Everything <laughs> I have is plagiarized. But, the, um, but it's true that, it, like you said, Jerry, I can do my best, but my child has a will and a sinful will, and they're going to choose that path. I know a lot of great parents who've had bad kids. And I know a lot of great got great kids who had bad parents. Yeah. There has to be something else going on. Of course, we know that that brings up the point that I want to make too, is that Proverbs is best. And I stole, this is from Jerry, but that Proverbs is best understood, best read with Ecclesiastes in mind. Um, if you're going to have Proverbs in your left hand, you better have Ecclesiastes in your right. Otherwise, if all I'm doing is reading Proverbs, I can come away with a very naive way of looking at life. But if all I'm doing is reading Ecclesiastes, I'm just going to come away depressed. But they, you have to have both. There is a balance here. And I think, that's, um, I think that's an important thing that often gets missed when all we do is highlight Proverbs. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I always like to say that Ecclesiastes is a disclaimer to Proverbs. And one thing that helps is to notice that uh, a very broad category of literature in the Old Testament era was wisdom literature, and both Proverbs and Ecclesiastes belong to that genre. And Proverbs, on the one hand, um, tells us, you know, how we should live our lives, uh, observations for life, but then Ecclesiastes comes along and says there are also perplexities to living. And if one just read Proverbs, you could almost come away with this idea that I can control my life. Mm. Um, I'm almost my own God. And it doesn't take us very long to realize that as much as we try to follow Proverbs, and, and things do work out that way quite often, but then when they don't, we're suddenly brought to the realization that, hey, you know what? This is a complicated universe. There is a God, and we still live in a fallen world. And Ecclesiastes is going to really help us keep our sanity uh, in this world until God sets it straight someday. Yeah, I've always thought Ecclesiastes is kind of like the support group book uh, because yeah, right. you can read Proverbs and think, man, why isn't things working out the way they should? And then you read Ecclesiastes and go, okay, well, 
you know, it's like when you, when you talk to people in a group that are struggling with different, the same thing, you realize, oh, I'm not alone in this. Um, so Ecclesiastes is God's way of saying, hey, you're not alone in, in questioning why things are the way they are, um, which I think is a real, tr- I think that's a real treasure um, that's found here in the Old Testament, that here, you're not alone. You, if you've got struggles, you're wondering why things are the way they are. It's, it's gone back all the way back to Solomon. Yeah, Ecclesiastes is one of the most relevant books for the modern era. Something else to look at in in Ecclesiastes is, you know, one of those recurring words is um, Solomon will talk about vanity, and then he'll talk about vanity of vanities, hevel hevelim. And I think when we actually trace the term and the phrase out, what we begin to discover is that the term hevel refers to something that is enigmatic, something that doesn't make sense, something that doesn't turn out the way we thought it would. Um, And the reason I mention that is so many people today think Ecclesiastes is kind of Solomon looking for meaning in life. And I really think that's a shot at creation because God gave us creation to enjoy. So he's not telling us work is bad, sex is bad, uh, people, you know, all these other things are bad, but he's simply saying that in those situations, there are enigmatic circumstances that don't make sense. So as you live your life according to Proverbs, which we're certainly encouraging uh, to do, but when those things turn out the way we don't expect, you know, then that's when Ecclesiastes is going to help us. And as you said, Rick, I mean, it just gives you peace to be able to acknowledge that in this world, there are sometimes going to be things that occur that we can't explain. And that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you hate life verses and, and all that, but. But you're going to give one anyway. No, I'm not. Well, I'm going to give one that I, I'm going to give one that I love in Ecclesiastes because of the passage, the way he sets up the argument. And there's context here, but it's Ecclesiastes 9, verse 9. Um, and all the way, yeah, just the whole passage, verse 9 there. Um, I, I've always, I have, I have a Bible in front of me here. I have my HCSB in front of me. And um, in it, I've highlighted it, and I've written out my wife's name and our anniversary on it. Because the passage says, Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun all your fleeting days, for that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. I love that passage because he just says, hey, look, your life is fleeting. It's, it's running. It's going to be gone before you know it. So enjoy the life that God has given you with the woman you love, the wife whom you love. And so that's, that's really, um, there are days where that's the, that's the life, that's the verse that I'm like, all right, today, only thing I can claim, if I want to claim, I'm not claiming anything, but if the one verse I'm going to hold on to today is that one because of this, the way it was. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, that's truth about Ecclesiastes. Yeah, I think that's good on two levels. Number one, I think, you know, when you go through life, your spouse can be pretty much your, not only your best friend, but sometimes your only friend, it seems. And I also like that on a second level, because by the time you go through Ecclesiastes, people could be thinking, you know, what am I supposed to do given the enigmatic nature of life? And I think when, when Solomon comes to the end of the book in chapter 12, he's going to tell us two things to do 
in light of this Proverbs-Ecclesiastes tandem. And the first thing, basically, he's going to say is to fear God and keep his commandments. In wisdom literature, keeping God's commandments is basically equivalent to fearing God because fearing God is taking God seriously in his threats and commands. And so if we really take God seriously, then we're going to do what he says to do. So the first thing Solomon says is in the confusion of life, number one, keep living for God. That's the first thing. And then the second thing he says is exactly what you pointed out from chapter 9, and that is to enjoy life. Life's hard enough. So take those things you can and um, take advantage of them, give you peace, give you rest along the way. Because a lot of times I think God gives us those things just to help us get through. So fear God, keep his commandments, and then enjoy what you can and leave the riddles of the universe to God because some of them are too vast for us to explain. Yeah, that reminds me of that Augustine quote, love God and do whatever you please. Exactly, and, and if, you, if you love God, then you're going to want to keep his commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're doing that, don't sweat the rest of it. Just, just enjoy life. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing you see in, in Ecclesiastes is, it's uh, it's stop trying to stop trying to pursue um, finding life somewhere else. You know, stop trying to find life and just enjoy that which you've been given. Um, so, really, Ecclesiastes speaks up to a part of contentment, which I think is really missing um, in our world today. the 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 idea of being truly content with what God has given. And our, our contentment comes in the fact that God is bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. And in wisdom literature, another book that goes right with Ecclesiastes is Job. Same issue at stake. Job can't figure out why things are going badly for him, given the fact that he's living, we could say according to Proverbs, even though Proverbs wasn't written yet. It's as if he's following Proverbs, and yet, you know, life still stinks, and he's finally brought to the place where, hey, God is running this thing, and we have to be able to come to the point where I can just rest in God, I can trust in God, and um, God is running the universe the way he sees fit to, and it's not mine to always understand it. Yeah, and and bring up Job, I think it's key, because Job is, like you said, it's almost like Proverbs put into practice. Um, or Ecclesiastes and Proverbs put in practice. One of the things that always sticks out to me from Job um, is that at the end of the book, you you never see God take Job uh, under his arm and say, "All right, listen, let me tell you why it all went down." He he Job dies, as far as we know, with no answer to the reason why the things happened the way they did. And then I've also heard, and this one always stuck out to me, even as a, I was a, you know, I didn't get saved until uh, later in life. And as a kid in church, hearing this taught in Sunday school, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, So for example, you'd hear the, okay, so we had this many children before, but then after the judgment or or after God's, uh, what God did, those children are gone. And now he has, he has these children over here. 
he has more children. Um, and, and almost to the point where it was kind of taught, like, now look how happy Job was now. Mm-hmm. Like, well, well, wait a minute. Do you, you don't really think he didn't carry that wound of his mm-hmm. previous children's loss of life the rest of his life? And so here we see with the book of Job, you've got perplexity. You've got, like, why does this happen? And God is not obligated to give a reason. Now, that's off-putting to some, you know, some who want to know, they demand answers. But one of the beautiful parts of this piece of wisdom literature is that God is not obligated to, to tell you why he does what he does. I, I, I love that point. And I think if, if we would apply that, not only personally, but in larger Christendom, we would come to realize, look, I, as a Christian, I don't have all the answers to everything. And I really don't feel obliged to try to give an answer to everything. God in good time will vindicate himself. And so, um, you know, I don't feel this burden as a, as a Christian to answer, you know, for example, the problem of suffering or the problem of evil. I don't know. I mean, I can give you from the Bible some reasons for these things, but ultimately I cannot tell you why God uses those things as a means to his end, particularly, you know, as we get older and become more aware of the horrible circumstances in which people live. There just isn't an answer to this until God someday gives it and uh, vindicates himself. So I love that about wisdom literature, and it's just screaming to us that God is God. And, um, you know, we need to learn to submit to whatever he ordains in our life. Right. And, and I know that we didn't, where we started off in this conversation, um, didn't, I guess we could say it wasn't meant to end up here. Um, but I'm reminded, um, we're talking about, you mentioned like the problem of evil. I'm not obligated to give an answer. Um, but I'm reminded, and I'm trying to remember the name of the, the book. I just finished it um, a while back. I was writing a, a paper on the topic. Um, but it was written by a, a professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, um, Bruce Little. He uh, is a former um, pastor in our area, uh, where he takes the argument. He says, well, you know, some might say evil happens for a greater good. He holds to a different view. He holds to a what he calls a creation order, um, the idea that God can do whatever He wants, and I'm not a I'm not owed an answer. Yep. And I thought that's probably the most honest, biblically honest response I've I've had and I've read to that that concept. I want to say it's if God then why this evil name of the author, but if you want to search it, if you're listening, you want to know what that book is. We can shoot us an email. We'll find it for you. But I think it's, it's I know the author is Bruce Little. Yeah, agreed. I think that that's an excellent um, where we end up, even though we don't want to end up there. I think that's where we do. Definitely. Well, uh, we started this episode uh, discussing Proverbs, but I think that you guys have gotten, uh, you guys being our listeners, have gotten a little bit a little bit more. We actually did a, a nice overview of a lot of wisdom literature. I think that that's necessary to really understand the book. Um, so we thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any questions for us, please email us at Bible guys, podcast at gmail.com. 
keep following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Send us any questions that you have there. You'll find us at Bible Guys Pod. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service.